Hey, welcome back to E Crime Bites Season 2, Episode 6. This is the rapper Big Rig Baby. His company, Weedgenics, ends up being a Ponzi scheme. And we, in Acts 1 through 3, built you up, explained who Big Rig Baby was. He's a rapper and also a vice president of this company named Weedgenics that's expanding in California and Nevada. They need investors. They put out a bunch of investor material and they've gotten investors who've sunk. You're going to find when we tell you here in a minute, a lot of money. We're talking millions of dollars into this company. We talked at great length about all this revenue that they are producing and a quarter million square feet of space here and there. But at the last act, we said none of this shit was real. So all of this stuff was fake. All of this evidence, this electronic evidence that they put together and all these PowerPoint spreadsheets and emails and all that stuff, all this stuff is fake. This is actually a Ponzi scheme. And this is the act where we're going to talk about it. So just getting in there, once you knew that this, the facilities didn't exist, you knew that there were a ton of lies just right off the bat. So all the times that they said we had all the f facilities, licenses and permits and certifications and all that stuff that you need a to operate as a business, but B operate in a business that deals in narcotics. They said they had all that. Well, they didn't because they didn't have any of that property. So that right there is an issue. So what I want to do is I, I, Gave you a little bit of a spoiler and I said, hey, none of these facilities are real, but in the timeline of evidence that we've given you, the victims don't yet know this. So keep that in your mind as we talk about this, because what might seem obvious to us now that we know that this these facilities aren't real wouldn't be obvious to the, these people that have gotten all these pictures and some of them got tours of these fictitious places. So this is where the hard shift happens is the fall of 2020. And I'm going to let Seth take this. This is where some restructuring happened. And my, I said this in the last act, but this is in my thought process. This is where they started going, Oh shit, we're running out of money. We're we got to money. do something differently. So the court documents indicate that sometime in September and October of 2022, INR underwent a restructuring and they unilaterally change the terms of the investor agreement. So what does that mean? That means they didn't get any kind of feedback from a board or the actual shareholders. They just said, we're changing stuff. So instead of INR paying investors fixed interest payments on principal investments monthly, as promised, defendants told investors to choose between a gradual return of only principal, meaning you give me a hundred grand, I'll pay it back over time, or a conversion to some fictitious quote, preferred stock in the company. So what does that really mean here? So let's talk about Alexandra Bovey, also known as I am Montgomery. So Bovey contacted investors about restructuring their investments. So apparently, well, specifically Bovey noted that INR was quote, going through major changes and that investor payments would also undergo changes as a result. So Bovey, I'm assuming she represented INR, eventually clarified to investors that they had two options. They can convert their debt positions with INR into preferred stock equity positions for which they would no longer receive monthly interest payments or reach some sort of withdrawal arrangement from INR. So 
we learn that Hirschman personally reassured investors that Bovi's comments about restructuring were, quote, valid and confirmed for them that she was the point of contact for the executive team in INR's legal department. Because if you're asking, who the hell is she? I was thinking the same thing when I read the facts. But Bovi indicated to investors that the restructuring was necessary because INR was in the early stages of going public. So what does yeah, that that's mean? How Normally, they tried to- I was going to say, that's how they tried to cover up this restructuring, which I thought was very, it was a very clever move, you know? Right. And keep in mind, like, if you're an investor in, like, a, a private entity and that, you find out that they're going public, that's usually music to your ears, right? Because it usually bumps up the value of the stock. So that's kind of how people become instant millionaires, at least in theory. <laughs> so on September 28th, 2022, INR did file a Form D with the Securities and Exchange Commission indicating that it was offering now $60 million in equity pursuant to an exemption from registration under Rule 506. Basically, they were now engaging the SEC to say, hey, we're a thing. We're actually going to be offering securities. And of course, if you do that in the United States, you have to go through a certain process here. It would be Form D. That's a hell of a fucking bluff for a Ponzi scheme, man. That's a, That's hell, a hell of, of a, bluff. a bluff. Hell of a bluff. So what happens if investors start to complain? So the court documents note that when investors who were told about the restructuring notified Bovee that they had not received interest payments for many months and wanted a return of their principal, Bovee noticed INR's response would be a very complicated no. Instead, <laughs> INR thought, INR rather, through Bovee and others, offered investors who did not want to convert their debt positions into preferred stock a gradual return of their principal over many years. It's like, oh, you gave us a hundred grand? We'll pay that back sometime. INR also hired an attorney who communicated and negotiated with investors about such withdrawal arrangements. Now I'm going to pause here. If you're the attorney and you did an ounce of due diligence on this company, you would have not taken that legal work. You're like, I am not representing a company that's bullshit. So that guy might've committed malpractice in taking that job. Some investors agreed to this withdrawal agreement, which agreement was signed by guess who? Big rig baby Big as their vice baby. president. So, okay, I've shielded you from a lot of just complicated financial bullshit behind the scenes here of how they got away with a lot of this because it wasn't just as simple as Seth and I are presenting it to you with people just getting money because the investigation on this would be so, so simple and it'd be done and over. What they did is they have a bunch of companies registered to a bunch of different people. The main people are still, it's Big Rig Baby and um, uh, Max Bergman behind INR, which is WeGenix, which is this whole investment scheme. These other defendants, they call them relief defendants, which may or may not get charged, but basically they they received gains from this whole scheme, so they're named here. And there's some that I'm pretty sure are going to get charged criminally by the way they're talking about them in the paperwork, and then there's some that I think are probably going to be questionable. Now, I try to shield you from most of this and I'm just going to give you some broad strokes, but there's this table in the court paperwork where they have the recipients of the Ponzi scheme or you know, basically the criminals in this case, or who, who received gains from it. One of them is big rig baby up at the top. And they talk about his entities and he's got a whole bunch of companies below him that basically when money would come in as investments, we get filtered through a bunch of places. And you're probably, your your mind's probably blown to this point. You're going, 
What does he mean? I'm telling you, this is so goddamn complicated. Let me show you an example here. I'll just stop for our, our video viewers and show you. This is how the companies worked when they sent money. So you can see if you're on the video side, there's probably, I uh, probably gander 15 to 20 boxes on here. Each one is a different company. And anytime money would come in, money would get shuffled around to all these companies and would just make it very difficult for some kind of forensic accountant to come in and figure out what the hell happened. And it kind of doing this, this complexity allows their scheme to go a little further. But because of this complexity, it makes a case like this very difficult to bring you because there's so many people involved with it. So I'm just but, gonna give you some broad. Yeah, I'll say, but I think with all that being said, the court document does a fantastic job of kind of laying it out there. And I don't want to steal your thunder, John, let you present it. But basically that the two main dudes, so you have Williams and I guess assumedly um, Hirschman, Berg, Bergman. All right. How much money do they get? How much money do they take for themselves? And how much did they actually use to keep the Ponzi scheme alive? Because for me, for me, that's kind of the end of the day, what happened here. And it's fantastic. So Big Rig Baby, he walked off with 19.2 million from investors. And Max Bergman walked away with 22.9 million from investors. And then there's this other relief defendant, Delgado. His companies walked away with 7.2 million. And there's another one called relief defendant Campbell and his string of companies below him, they totaled out at 9.1 million. And then if you remember Alexandra Bovi or what was it? Aya Montgomery was her Aya secret Montgomery, agent yeah. name. She was the investor what? relations relations person. Oh, I imagine they probably found the most attractive woman they could and put in the most uncomfortable position of having to restructure these agreements with investors. Guess how much she walked away with? $715,000 for her work, which I don't know if that's a lot or not, because I imagine there's some pretty pissed off investors that she had to talk to. Yeah. But I think it's worth kind of going through, Jones, go back a slide or forward a slide of... I think we can even just talk about the two main people about how much money was uh, given to them from the investors versus what did they do with the money? Because I think that's really worth going through. Yeah, we are going to address that on Act Five, which is actually coming up, where we're going to go through the oh, timelines of what I can't wait. what they have with their money and what they end up spending their money on. One thing I did forget to mention here is. There's one last bullet item here of an expenditure, and this is $16.1 million. Now, if you remember, I can't remember which act it was in, but I told you about a Ponzi scheme. A good Ponzi scheme usually pays off early investors, so that way later investors go, hey, those guys are making money. I'm going to put money here too. Well, this $16.1 million they used to pay off earlier investors and interest payments and everything they needed to pay off in order to keep this scheme going and going and going. So with that, Act 4 is over. We've introduced you to the Ponzi scheme. Act 5, which is tomorrow, Friday, we're going to talk about the Pyramid Crumbles, and we're going to talk about where they spent their money, what is coming of this case, and maybe set the my predictions on what happens after this SEC case is over. So if you liked anything in this act, please 
like and subscribe, whatever application that you're on. But if you're on Apple Podcasts for our audio-only listeners, we could use a five-star review there because that helps push us up some charts and new users then find us. And that's what we're looking for here. So if you could do this that favor, we'd really appreciate it. And if you haven't visited our website, please do. It's just eCrimeBites, E-C-R-I-M-E-B-Y-S in yellow milk. TES.com and all our social media links are up across the top there. If you're on your phone, click that little hamburger looking button up there and you'll see all our social media links for you on your phone too. And with that, I cannot wait for act five because we're going to put a cap on the end of this just absolutely insane case of them convincing investors that they had these two gigantic grow facilities in order to make millions of dollars in fraud. So I hope to see you back tomorrow on Act 5, The Pyramid Crumbles.